This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome in to the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hail Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You're back refreshed and recharged from the bye week, friend. Uh, took a little time away this weekend as Nebraska didn't play and had their bye week. Uh, it was nice to have a little bit of a break, but I'm, gonna, I'm ready to get back to it with the football season. Um, kind of as the team has been saying, you know, it, it's a couple of many two-week seasons here. So we just had the first bye. Then they'll play two weeks, have another bye, and then finish off the season uh, with the last two weeks uh, of the year. Um, and so it, it's going to be some nice timing here. It'll break out nicely after the long grind of uh, eight straight weeks of covering the team. Uh, today, I am joined by myself, uh, flying solo today for the pod, but that's okay. Uh, I'll be back with another great guest next week uh, to kind of give you guys a breakdown of, of a topical uh, thing going on in the world of sports. Uh, but we'll get right into it today. Each week, we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. Uh, the first one is called Coach Speak, where I go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then I give you guys a straight up breakdown of what they really meant coach speak to real talk um this week actually comes courtesy of head coach scott frost uh who had this to say after his team coming back from the bye week um and, and he was really talking about being able to get out on the road recruiting uh for the first time in, in over i think it's two years um about the day since they had been out on the road seeing high school recruits um and he was asked about the response that his team saw or his coaches saw when they were out on the road, he said, quote, they know that we've come up and in short too many times, but the progress is obvious. People recognize the type of team we have in the level that they're playing at. Um, people are really proud of the way that this team plays. It's up to us to make the plays to get over the hump. So I would, this is where I would normally ask my esteemed guest uh, what Scott Frost really meant. So, you know, for myself, I'll answer the question uh, of what Scott Frost really meant um, with that. Um, and I think that this is interesting to me because I think that this is one of those things that we've heard so often. And it's almost like, well, of course he means that they're close. They just need to get over the hump. But it actually made me think of something else entirely in a way um, when he said this again. And I, I don't think that he... I, I think that he means it when he says that, you know, we're close or the, and the players definitely mean it because they hear it from him and they hear it from other coaches that, that the team is close. Um, but, but one of the things that I definitely think about here is that this is really a perception versus reality type of situation too, with the whole, like they're close situation. And I think that when you, if you go out and you talk to recruits and you say, Hey, you know, tell me what you think about Nebraska. Like, what is just your, you know, 10,000-foot view of where you think the Nebraska football program is? I do think that most recruits um, and then most people outside of the program that don't cover the program on a daily basis would say, 
oh, they're close. Like they've lost every game that they've lost um, has been by eight points of, or less. They've lost what three uh, top 10 opponents um, over the course of this season. They played eight straight games, like kind of all of the, the just like kind of quick bullet points that you would normally get um, when you're not kind of in the minutia in the day to day of the team. And so I do think that it's, it's, it is an easy rallying point for Scott Frost and the coaching staff to sell to both recruits and to talk to other even high school coaches out there about to say, hey, listen, we're really close with this thing. Uh, we know that, you know, we're just a couple of plays away. And that's been another thing that has been a drumbeat of this football program is that they're just a couple of plays away um, and, and they just need to get over the hump. But then I think that the more, the closer you follow this team, and especially the, the closer that you kind of look at the trends and patterns over the, the course of this tenure of Scott Frost, you say, man, I just don't know if the old, are they close or is this just kind of what they are under Scott Frost? Is this just kind of what this program is going to be? And that ends up lending itself to a whole different discussion that, that we'll save uh, for another time. But I really think that the, the we're close situation is really just a or real, the more close statement is really just another perception versus reality thing. And it's only so long that you can lean on having that perception. Now, Nebraska has another game uh, coming up this weekend against Purdue that I, I'm, I'm not going to call it a winnable game in fear of, you know, the Purdue people getting after me like they did Scott Frost a couple of years ago when he got up on one of these Monday press conferences uh, the week before the Purdue game a couple of years ago and said it was a winnable game and then Purdue beat them um, and then definitely let them know uh, that they felt some type of way about Nebraska's coach calling that game a winnable game. So I will not call the Purdue game a winnable game. I will call it a game that Nebraska definitely has a chance to win. We'll kind of remix the winnable game um, saying there and go that way after Purdue took what in any other year would be classified as a not surprising loss. Like they lost over the weekend to Wisconsin and was Wisconsin kind of rediscovered their its run game um, and kind of ran all over Purdue. Um, normally that would just kind of be par for the course. Like we would think, okay, Wisconsin is supposed to run all over Purdue um, and come away with that victory. But this year, Wisconsin had been struggling to find, you know, a run game, but really anything in the way of offense and Purdue's defense had actually been pretty good uh, up until that point, which is why people were a little bit nervous um, heading into Purdue week um, until that, that game ended up happening. Nebraska opened as a seven-point favorite um, for the Purdue game, so we'll see what Vegas knows um, in this one. And I, you guys definitely check out the I-80 preview podcast here later in the week. Brandon Vogel will kind of dive deeper into that. Um, and, and I'll be curious to see where that line ends up settling at once we get later into the week, Purdue's also pretty banged up. Um, but it'll be an interesting one. Nebraska can do – they have a chance, mathematically speaking, to still reach a bowl game um, this season. But to be able to do that, they're going to have to take care of this game against Purdue at home, uh, 2.30 kick. Nebraska needs to have this game just so that they don't have to basically pull off the impossible um, and, and beat Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa uh, to be able to try and make 
make a bowl game to get to six wins. Nebraska needs to have this game. And I think that um, I'm really interested to see, just because you guys know, listening to this podcast on a weekly basis, I am a proponent of teams treating these games um, that are must-wins like must-wins. I know Nebraska likes to do the nameless, faceless opponent thing. Um, I like to see teams that just come out and openly say, hey, this is a big game. We need to have this game. Even if it's not a big-name opponent, it is still a very big game uh, for the Nebraska football program, and they have to have it um, really the same way they had to have the Minnesota game, but we don't need to rehash uh, kind of what happened anymore at that one um, as we move forward here. We just know that if, if you want to – there's only so many opportunities that you also have to say, going back to the original premise, that we're close and that we just need to get over the hump before you do it. Um, and this is one of those cases where Nebraska definitely needs to be able to get over that proverbial hump um, and take down Purdue at home. Um, um, for really bigger picture reasons than even just getting to a bowl game in this particular season. Now, one of the things that I definitely I didn't get a chance to get to last week, so I think it dropped right after we recorded last week's podcast, um, that the NBA is putting out a deal where they're doing the, the NBA 75 uh, in, in honor of it. It's a celebration of the NBA 75th season where the league unveils its list of the greatest player in history over a three-decade, uh, over a three-day span uh, during opening week. Um, and it was a list that ended up having one extra name during a tie, because of a tie in voting. Um, and now every player who made that um, league's uh, 50th anniversary team in 1996 uh, was also included in the list. So they were basically grandfathered in. Um, and then so you basically got the next 26 best guys uh, from then on with maybe a guy or two uh, that didn't get included on that initial list. Bob McAdoo, I think, was the guy that was not included on that original 50 list um, when that debuted. And he was always widely considered to be one of the biggest snubs in that list. Um, and so <laughs> this list came out and the, the thing is, and it's not so much debating the list, it's that these lists always hit the mark no matter what they are, um, no matter what type of publication is putting them out. If you want to get the people going, you put out a list. And I really thought that this one at first, I was like, okay, this list is going to come, it's going to go, um, and people will not really pay attention um, to it. Um, but then I, you know, I quickly realized that anytime you do these things, you're going to end up having a lot of controversy just because there is no perfect way uh, to make one of these lists. And I think that there were guys here in, in the era right now that that's going that were left off, that there was a lot of hand-wringing about. Um, Damian Lillard um, was a guy that people said they had a, a lot of problems um, that, that wasn't that was on that list um, and said not he was on the list there were a lot of people that took exception with him being on the list just because his career arc um, has been rather interesting especially when you think about it in the context of the greatest 75 guys um, that have ever played in the NBA um, to me personally Bill Walton um, being on the list is one that I, I listen he only really played three full seasons uh, of NBA basketball I think that if you were going to go with guys that had injury shortened careers and try and put them on a list like this like it'd be interesting to say like hey Grant Hill um, would be a guy that could potentially be considered um, Derek Rose if you really uh, stack up his uh, contributions and the way that his arc um, and the peak of his game and really we're talking about the peaks with Rose uh, but you are 
are for all of these guys that would have these injury shortened careers. Yao Ming um, is another guy um, that would maybe need to be included if you were going to have a slot for a guy in that situation. Uh, but Bill Walton is somebody to me that definitely doesn't need to be on there. Um, but the guy that I can't believe that wasn't on there that I feel like, it, and, I, and I don't have a good analogy for this, Dwight Howard is the guy who I'm thinking of that should have been on this list, right? And the reason that Dwight Howard, to me, is not on this list is for the same reason that Terrell Owens did not get into the NFL Hall of Fame on the first ballot, rubber stamp, easy. Of course, we know this. Um, and it's because people don't like him. Like, and I've been a guy that is not, I'm not a big Dwight Howard fan, even though he came back to the Lakers and helped them win a championship. Um, but it's really hard to deny the impact and how great uh, Dwight Howard was over or has been over his career. It's still going. He's in kind of another act um, of, of this. Uh, there was a point where um, people were really debating whether or not Dwight Howard or LeBron James was the best player in the NBA. Like there are, there's very few players that have ever been good enough during LeBron's reign over the last, you know, basically 15 years where he's been the best player in the league. There was some time right there in the beginning where he wasn't, but there's been very few uh, players that have been able to kind of claim that throne from him, uh, pun intended. And I think that the first 10 years of Howard's career could really be compared to the first decade of any of the all-time greats um, at his position. And then he's been able to transition into a, a valuable role player um, on that championship Lakers team. So Dwight Howard not being included um, on that list is really crazy to me um but like i said it's really interesting that people get going all the time over these type of lists and i, I think there's a couple of other guys that you know one of the really interesting ones and i don't think that i don't think that clay thompson should have made the list um and he seemed to be really upset about not being on this list and he had some tweets you know i guess people just don't value winning uh in the way that i do and that sort of thing um and i understand why he would be upset um but it, I, clay thompson is one of the greatest shooters in the history of the sport but being one of the greatest shooters in the history of the sport doesn't necessarily mean that you're one of the best 75 players to ever lace them up like i mean this is just such a small small subset of players who have ever played the game um and of course the warriors decided to have a little fun um, at his expense and they put and I'll, I'll link this in the show notes um, they ended up trolling Clay by hooking him up with a number 77 jersey uh, because he uh, I guess because of the way that there was a tie um, they ended up figuring out that he maybe was the 77th best player um, <laughs> off of this list um, but basically saying hey there was a tie there were actually 76 guys we're just going to say that you were 77 and we're going to put this 77 jersey um, in your locker which is a great thing like whoever did that and it was anonymous um because no one wanted to fess up to doing this uh was really great and so them going ahead doing that and clay kind of rolling with it and then of course it was draymond that took the picture draymond green and put that on twitter um and shared it on social media for the world to see like i like that i like that you had a little fun with that uh even though clay thompson was very very upset uh that he did not make this nba 75 but we'll see. Um, it, it, it was an interesting one because there are a lot of players, um, it feels like, that thought that they should have been on the list. But you're never going to get out here finding some of the guys that said, oh, well, you know, I was included on the list, but maybe I'm a little overrated. You're never going to get that in. But you've got a lot of guys that are really upset uh, that they did not make it onto this list, which I guess is understandable. 
And then I really think that, you know, an interesting way to think about this too is, you know, if you look at the guys from the current era, and I think that these lists are generally a little bit skewed away from current players so that they don't include any of these guys that seem to be maybe on this kind of trajectory, but it, it but you just don't know yet because they, it's hard to then include them and then maybe they flame out. But a guy that I would say that is on the type of trajectory that would be on this sort of list, you know, 25 years from now when they do the NBA 100, um, I think Nikola Jokic is going to be included on this only two NBA MVP winners were excluded from this list and that was Jokic and Derrick Rose Um, and so I really like both of those players but I think that Jokic is just getting warmed up and kind of redefining the center position in kind of an era in which centers have kind of been pushed out of the game Um, and just the the amount of skill that he has in his game I think will really become even more appreciated as time goes on we'll see what ends up happening with him trying to win a championship because that typically ends up being a thing um, that really boost your chances of being on these sorts of lists um, but I think the Nikola Jokic would definitely end up um, on a list like this when they come back around to do the NBA 125 years and then everybody will get fired up all over again um, about this list. Put them on blast. Now every week we end the show with a segment called Put Them on Blast. It's my favorite segment of each week where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said and this week I'm going with somebody that, that would make uh, my buddy Derek Peterson proud um, I got to go with Kevin Durant on this one. Um, as You know, Kevin Durant um, has been known to get a little bit in his feelings on social media. And it happened again. And it was actually related to this NBA 75 list um, in, in which um, I guess you would call him a Twitter OG Dragonfly Jones. A lot of you probably follow him criticize uh, Kyrie Irving, um, you know, <laughs> about saying that, you know, he liked his game or he said he, Dragonfly Jones said that he loves Kyrie Irving's game, um, but he, Hoopers really love him, meaning that guys that play basketball really, really love Kyrie's game um, and they really elevate his status and where he is all the time, especially. Um, and so Kevin Durant then quote tweeted that and said, uh, that's because you're a casual to which uh, Dragonfly Jones then had a great retort, uh, which was that he was, quote, a fully vaccinated casual. So I got to admit, that that's a pretty good comeback. Um, to, and Kevin Durant is one of those things where I, I don't know if I'm Kevin Durant or I, James Harden, anybody on that Nets team, if I'm really trying to jump out here and put my neck out to really defend Kyrie Irving anymore. Like, I just don't understand at this point like you don't have to publicly say that you're against Kyrie if you're on his team because you know there's always the chance um, that at some point he's coming back to that team um, and, and whether or not he gets vaccinated or I guess technically he could end up even getting traded at some point. You, you still want to stay friends with him um, and so you don't have to be out here publicly bashing him but I also wouldn't be out here publicly defending him over something that Kevin Durant didn't really need to jump into anyway um, and for that reason Kevin Durant definitely has to go on blast. Um, And so we could always find ways to put Kevin Durant on blast for what he does on social media. Um, And I'm always, I feel like I'm frequently a defender of Kevin Durant um, when it comes to his social media use, but he is very sensitive um, to everything that's going on out there. In this case, he should not have stuck his neck out there, in my opinion. Uh, So again, he has to go on blast for that. Now subscribe to this podcast everywhere you listen to them, rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater. Make sure you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network. 
the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Press Post Game Show, and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. Uh, you can also check out the Hale Varsity YouTube page while I'm back on there with the recruiting video, recruiting question video of the week with Aaron Sorensen. You can also get at me on Twitter at GregSmithHB, or you can email the show straight up breakdown at HaleVarsity.com. I will catch you guys next week. A Huda Media Production.